Um, I think the first appeal was the fact that Dean showed faith to call me. I was sitting across from the table with my wife was on the other side and I come off and she was listening to the call as well and she, I couldn't put the phone down and she just went, you really fancy that, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. So it's the first time that I've sat and thought, wow, I really fancy the idea of that. And, and from then it just took off. Got a really good squad of players. Um, we're, we're taking this competition very seriously because we, uh, the truth is we want to win every game. Well, Simo, five weeks into the job now, how would you sum up your time with Bristol City so far? I've got to say I've loved it so far. It's been fantastic. Um, seems a long time ago since I've had the stress of all the day-to-day stuff that goes on in a football club, but now I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm enjoying the group of staff we've got. I think there's a really good, a really good feel about it. There's a really good mix of, of different personalities. Um, and I've got to say I've been really impressed with the players as well. I think their their attitude, their application, the way they've gone about it, the, the technical levels that they've got. I think it's been it's been really good, and 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 I for, I've got to be honest, I forgot. I mean, I've been really fortunate over the last few few years, four years, working with the FA and and with with some really top talented young English players, and I forgot what the standard was like at Championship level, and it really is a good standard, and and I'm I'm hoping that we can continue in the same way that we have done for the first five or six weeks, and we get even better. Can you sort of talk about your sort of day-to-day as an assistant head coach? Yeah, it's, um, well, we've got a good staff. I mean, we've got a really, really good group of performance staff, uh, staff who, who are telling us the levels that we need to get to on the running and the, whether it's high intensity, whether it's sprint, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I've got to say, I'm not one who gets tangled up in statistics and numbers and all that sort of stuff, but it's good as a guide. So the performance staff lead that type of stuff. We have a meeting every morning with them where we, we go through player availability, who's who's fit to train, who's not fit to train. Uh, the sessions are normally designed and we normally have to just have a little bit of a tinkering around if the numbers change. But I think we've got a good combination with Dean as the as the head coach, myself and Keith, uh, Pat doing the goalkeepers and with Cease as well. I think we've got a really good group of staff who, uh, who, who can uh, design some sessions but making sure that we're getting some sort of physical load into the players but also making sure we're really focusing on on the tactical and the technical so that we're improving because really it, it's difficult for the players because they've got although Dean's been here for a while they've got a, a, basically a new group of staff coming together with a new style of play and this isn't something that's going to change overnight it's something that will evolve over time and I think so far there's been some really good positive signs but we need more and more work with the players more and more days on the grass to really benefit and hopefully my dream is that when the when it comes to the really important part of the season when it, we're going for those top places that it'll really come to fruition. It sounds very full on but if you could narrow it down what would you say is the best part of your job here? Without a doubt being on the grass just being on the grass every day um, as I said earlier I've had a lovely four years working for the FA but you have maybe 54 days a year on the grass here it's every day on the grass and, and that's what I'm enjoying. You know, Even if I'm not taking the session, if I'm involved in it, involved in the planning of it, involved in just being a voice around it, um, that's, that's the best part of coaching. You talked about your working relationship with, with Dean Holden. Um, how has he taken to his new role? Yeah, I think he's, uh, it's always difficult and I think, he's, um, I think he's been quite clever without, I'm not trying to, big myself and Keith up but he's been quite clever and quite quite cute in his, his appointments because 
he's got two guys in who've who've actually been in that manager's seat. So there's times where he's going to get stressed about things, and we just say, no, that's not one of the things you get stressed about. Don't worry about that one. That's let that one go by the side. Just deal with the next thing. So. You know, he's handling it really, really well. He's, he's trying to soak up as much information as he can. Um, and, and although we're, we're here to help him as his assistants, we're trying to allow him to find his way as well and for him to do it how he wants to. Um, and I think he's done really well so far. He's got, um, he's got a real empathetic um, personality about himself where he's prepared to listen and he's, and he's, a, he's a good ear for people. Uh, and I think he'll do really well if he can carry on this way. And you're very experienced in the footballing world. You were a player before you were a coach. Cast your mind back to the Manchester City days. Can you recall how it all unfolded? Um, oh, well, it's funny. I was trying to think about this. I was trying to work out the other day how long I was a player and how long I've been coaching. And I, I, I lost count. I didn't have enough fingers and toes for it to count it. But yeah, I, I remember it really, really well starting at Man City when I was just about to turn 16, starting full time anyway. Um, and everything just rolls into one there. I had really, really good start making my debut at 16. I then had a year and a half where I think it would be easy as an old git now to sit there and say I got a bit arrogant and maybe I didn't work as hard as I should have done. I was probably going to get shown the door at City and then we had injuries and luck played its part and I ended up getting in the team and never came out the team. Um, so I was lucky along the way. I obviously had something. I don't really know what I had at the time. I had something but I had a bit of luck as well, and that's a big part in football. We want to be, you know, I always say that uh, I'd rather be a lucky manager and, and, and get results, so that's where I am now. I want to be a lucky assistant to Dean Holden. And you played for the likes of Oxford United, Derby County, Wolves and Blackpool. Eventually you sort of ended your career with, with Carlisle, obviously your homegrown, uh, so your uh, local team. Um, what, what what was that like? Obviously double promotions as well. Oh, it was fantastic to go back. I thought I'd, um, there was an opportunity when I was about 18 to go back to Carlisle and I was rubbish in a reserve game and the manager chose not to sign me. And I thought I'd lost my chance to go back to Carlisle. But then later on, I, I had my first year as a manager. I decided to leave. I wasn't happy with the way the directors wanted to change my staff around. I went into Carlisle as a player, but very soon the manager got the sack and I ended up as the caretaker and then got the job. Um, and it was a really difficult a difficult circumstance to go into. We were working under CVA, but I've got to say it was the best education I could have probably had. Um, and the other side of it as well, I was still a player, but I had a knee injury, so I was injured for a lot of the time. I had a minor operation. So it made me focus on the management side as opposed to trying to concern with whether I was going to be fit, whether I should select myself. So I was able to, to really focus on that. So... Um, it was a great education for me that, that stood me in good stead for, for the next however many number of years I've been coaching since then. You won promotion to the Premier League as a player with Derby County, promotion and JPT win with Blackpool. But when you consider the, the double promotion with, with Carlisle, mm. did that mean the most to you, doing the back-to-backs? Yeah, it did because I was also, um, and, and thankfully you've not mentioned it, I was the manager who took them down into the conference as well. So... You know, I had an opportunity to leave at the end of that season. Blackpool wanted me to go to manage them in the, in League One. And being my home city, it's a club I used to watch from the kids' pen on the Warwick Road end when I was you know, when I was at school, my dad used to take me. And I couldn't have I couldn't have left Carlisle after taking them down and jumping ship. So I felt it was the right thing to do. Um 
thankfully it worked out to be the right thing but at the time it was a bit of a gamble um, so no it was it was fantastic to be able to do that and um, to, to have that success and to experience it and to see what it meant to my family to see what it meant to people who I went to school with in Carlisle I used to see them so there'd be games where we weren't doing well and I'd hear a voice abusing me behind thinking I think I know you, I think you're in the same class as me. Um, but then when it turns around and you're successful to, to, to be part of those celebrations was good as well. Go back to 1992, you were in the Derby County side that lost 4-3 to Bristol City. You scored a hat-trick that day. Um, not often you score a hat-trick and end up on the losing side, but yeah. do you remember that game fondly? I, I do remember it, and strangely enough, I remember it because two of my boys had chicken pox and weren't able to come to the game with my wife. Um, so I do remember it. Um, I remember having in, doing an interview afterwards as well and talking about the boys. So I remember it. I, I, I don't remember the details. I remember, did we have our goalkeeper sent off or something like that? I think it was. And we were down to 10 men. But um, nah, listen, as a, as a selfish winger, it, I was really pleased to score three goals. But it's never the same when you've lost. Going back to Carlisle, uh, I heard an, heard an interview that you did um, where you talked about trying to improve the professionalism and the attitudes of mm. players, particularly around drinking culture. Um, how did you go about changing that? Um, I think what I did, I just brought standards in that weren't acceptable to, to fall below them. Um, you know, it was acceptable to do it under the, the previous regime, um, or it seemed as though it was. Maybe they didn't know. Um, but obviously I was a player in that changing room, so I knew what was going on. So I, firstly, I, I made rules that they weren't allowed to do it. If I went in the change room and anybody smelt of alcohol, I just told them to get changed and sent them home because on a health and safety, that's not acceptable to train that way. Um, forget about the fact they've already driven in, um, which is another matter. But um, I sent them home and then ultimately, you then have to change the players. And that's what I did once we came out of working under CVA. I was able to change the group around and I brought senior players into it who had better standards and who had been there at a, a really good level and knew how to behave properly as a profession. Because I think there's I think there's thousands and thousands of footballers who play on a Saturday afternoon in the in local leagues on a Sunday morning who have the ability. I've watched Sunday morning games when I'm out walking when I, when we had a dog and I was out walking the dog, I'd watch games and think, Wow, he's got some ability that lad. But there's something which stops them from doing it, um, and I think you have to you have to know how to be a professional footballer as well, not just to be. Um, Tony Buck, my youth team coach at Man City, used to call it, but don't be a happy amateur, um, and that's what I wanted to try and get away from being a happy amateur and making sure we got good professional players. Yeah, I guess why did this culture exist? It was just kind of accepted, but mm. but why was it accepted? It was hard to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, football has changed over the over years. Certainly, I mean, I started in 1982, and the, the the whole the whole understanding of of your physical side of it, the whole understanding of your lifestyle that you need to do. I think you know it was drummed into me at Man City about how to behave to be the right sort of professional, um, and it's something that I've tried to do. And listen, I'm not saying I'm a saint. I know I've made mistakes. I've probably had a drink at the wrong time. I've probably had too much to drink at the at the wrong time. But in general, I've tried to do things in a professional way and it's something that, that I, f I really feel passionately about with all players now. I think the rewards that go with being a professional footballer are just out of this world now, what, what players can go and earn. And I don't have a single problem with players earning as much money as they can, so long as they do the right things and so long as they appreciate what they're getting. 
And if you've got that, I think you've got half a chance of being successful. And I've got to say, working with England, I went into that job, particularly if I talk about the under-20 squad when I was really fortunate to get that role, the perception of English football was English footballers wasn't particularly positive, and after 35 days in a in, in a major tournament, the whole perception changed because these lads were absolutely top draw. The way they went about the business, the way they lived their lives, their professionalism, their attitude to training, their respect for um, for for local South Koreans, respect for the hotel, respect for the training ground, all of that sort of stuff. I think it's a really big thing, me, and I think it's it's really important, and it's something that Dean is really keen on with our players at Bristol City. We want our players to appreciate what they've got, to appreciate what the fans really want to see, and that's that's putting a shift in. You know, my big thing is that in a football game, there's two things that the opposition cannot do anything about. They can't stop you running, and they can't stop you talking. So if you can do that, you can be having the worst game in the world. If you do that, you're gonna you're gonna actually help your teammates, and that's something that we want in the personality of our group when when we when we really start to nail down how we are. I wanted to ask you about England under twenties and and how that all came about. It was 2017, wasn't it? So mm. three years ago, your last job before City. How did you get your position with the England team? Um, again, Lady Luck played its part. I live about 20 minutes from St George's Park, and um, I just went in to observe a couple of camps with the under. Under 20s actually with Aidy Boothroyd and the 17s with Steve Cooper. The guy who ran, the guy called Matt Crocker, who's at Southampton now, asked me if I was interested in a job. And I'm sort of saying, do you need to ask that question? Am I interested in working for England? So I went in as an assistant with the under 16s, and then there was all sorts of problems with Sam Allardyce's issue, issue with the press. The staff got changed around, and we ended up with the under the under-20s had qualified for South Korea, but we ended up in a situation where there was no head coach to take them. And again, I got a phone call from Matt Crocker to say, do you fancy doing an internship type thing to um, to go to the World Cup with the, with the under-20s? Again, it took me a fraction of a second to say yes. Um, and that was it then. I had about, I think I had something like 39 days to prepare for the World Cup, with the, to meet the group, to get all the planning, get all the organisation done. And um, and then we went. And and I've got to say, that as I mentioned the players earlier, they were outstanding. And my first meeting I had with them, I said, look, tell me what you think you're going to do then. Tell me where we're going to go. And they said, we're going to win it. And I, I sort of questioned them because we hadn't won a game in World Cup finals for 20 years and we hadn't won back-to-back -back games for 24 years. So I'm saying, well, if you're going to do that, and this is the first time I talked about that level of professionalism, I said, from now on, no days off, every day is fully focused, ready, doing everything you possibly can to be successful. And I've got to be honest with you, I looked at the squad and it was good, but I didn't know it was going to be good enough to win it. But then once we got there, it just all snowballed and snowballed and suddenly you wake up and you think, wow, how did I get to a World Cup final here? But it happened and we got through. They had the talent, they had the belief. Was it that, that combination that, that made that team so special, do you yeah, think? It yeah. was, it was talent, it was belief, it was professionalism. It was togetherness. They were all in it together. Um, they all had one, and it really was one common goal. You know, we had, we, we worked with starters and finishers, so it wasn't starters and subs. So the finishers knew that they had a part to play. You know, and we had players who were coming off the bench and doing a job. Um, you know, in the semi-final, Shea Ojo comes off the bench and he's the one who crosses two balls into the far post and and we score two goals. So. They all knew they had a role to play um, because to be successful, you have to have a squad, and that's what we've got now. We, we've 
I think we're in a really, really good position with, with the squad that the, the owners have allowed us to put together. Um, and hopefully, once we get everybody fit, we can have a right good go over the season with it. It might seem an obvious question, but what's the difference, I guess, in terms of interaction with players on, on a national scale compared to club football? Well, obviously, the, 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 biggest, the biggest issue is that um, you only get them for 50-odd days a year. So, you know, you, you don't, you're not having loads of contact. And, and the way that I tried to go about it as a national coach was that while they're on international duty, there are players. We still have to take care of them properly because we're only lending them off the clubs. But the rest of the time, I didn't want to be contacting players and talking about England when really their focus has to be their clubs. So you don't have a hell of a lot of contact. I would always contact players if I'd been to watch them play and or you know, if one of them makes a debut in a first team, I would always get in touch with a text message and say, well done, and watch the game, did really well, or you know, maybe have a think about doing this next time, or whatever it might be, um, just to stay in touch. But So the, the big difference is the fact that you're getting daily contact with the players now, so you can, instead of sort of trying to cram it in and get a microwave session in and doing things really quickly, you can actually drip feed in on a daily basis and, and it, I think if you drip feed it you've, you've probably got a, a longer lasting effect on players of, of it actually sticking in the heads that's what I'm hoping anyway. So then you returned to club football with your appointment here at Bristol City um, what was the appeal of the club? Um, I think the first appeal was the fact that Dean showed faith to call me um, you know he, he called me and said that um, he was coming in for an interview and he'd really want me to come as, as one of his assistants. Um, so I think that faith, but then when he explained the project that he was looking at as well and, the, and the, the new training ground and this sort of stuff and I looked at the stadium, it was the first time in, in, in the last three or four years I've probably had about four or five phone calls where people have rung and said, look, what do you think about this going in as an assistant, going in as a head coach, as a manager, whatever it might be. I was sitting across from the table with my wife was on the other side and I come off and she was listening to the call as well and she, I couldn't put the phone down and she just went, you really fancy that, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. So it's the first time that I've sat and thought, wow, I really fancy the idea of that. And, and from then it just took off. And I think I always try to go off my first instinct. Um, if, if my first feeling is a really good one, I think, well, it must be right. Um, so far, I, I think it's been right. Yeah, we worked with the group for a short while, about about five weeks now. It's been a good start, hasn't it? Um, what do you think of the players' attitude and, and ambition? First class really has been. I've been really, really impressed. Um, you know, I mean, listen, I'm not saying they come in and, and are bouncing around and all sweetness and light every day. We have issues, as every football club does. But um, I think the way that they've applied themselves in, in, you know, let's be honest, this is a really tricky situation at the moment because of the way. This, this is a situation that none of us have ever experienced. You know, I've been in football a long time, as my grey hairs will show, but I've never experienced this. I've never had, you know, second day of pre-season and we're doing 11v11 football games. That's not normal. You know, normally you're running up hillsides and stair runs and stuff, all stupid stuff like that. So it is different, but I think the players have been really good. And I think, you know, again, credit to the performance staff in the way that they've structured the off-season, however short that was, and then... The, the, the quick turnaround to get a new season going. I think they've done really well and we're now in a position where we've we've had a couple of games, we've had two victories. We know that we're still a long way from where we really want to be in terms of um, the level of performance from the group as a whole. We know that we're still a way away from getting 
all of our players up to match pace and match speed. But the longer we can stay in this Carabao Cup, the better that will be for uh, for us to, to get those players up to match speed. And what are your immediate thoughts on facing Northampton Town on, on Wednesday night? I'm looking forward to it because it's the next game for us. It's a great opportunity. You know, we've got a really good squad of players. Um, we're, we're taking this competition very seriously because we, uh, the truth is we want to win every game. And I think Dean said in his in his actual announcement in the media that day that he wants to go into every game wanting to win it. And that's how we are as well. You know, we, we want to win this game. We want to beat Northampton. Um, and, you know, the big thing that we don't want, it, uh, and I'll, I'll make it quite clear, is that we will be making changes for the game against Northampton. There, there will be a number of changes because we have to utilise the whole squad um, for, for a, a, a raft of reasons. Firstly, they need match minutes. Secondly, we want to keep them involved. But we also think we're putting a strong side out to go and win the game because this will be a tough game against Northampton and it won't be any level of disrespect to the competition or to the opposition that we put this side out. It'll be because we believe this is definitely strong enough to get a positive result in the game. Northampton managed by Keith Curl, who I think you played with at Wolves yeah. when he was the captain. Yeah, yeah. Right. so you kind of maybe know what to expect from him a little bit. Yeah, well, you just have to look at his record as a manager. He's done really, really well. I mean, the playoff last season, the playoff final last year, they they really did turn over Exeter in that in that game. They were they were excellent. Um, they have a style of play that some people will knock, but it's really effective. You know that we know that we're going to be in for a physical battle. We know they've got players there who, who can, can play and who can cause us problems. And knowing what Keith was like, he will have them fired up for this game as well because I can assure you he will go into this game with a winning mentality as well. And of course, they'll come with confidence having just come up from League One, uh, sorry, from League Two into League One. So they've got, they've got that confidence. So does that make mental focus equally as important as tactics and fitness going oh, into this game? Definitely. To, it, to, the game against Northampton is primarily about our mental focus we have to be right I, I think we've all seen and, and a lot of managers coaches have been on the receiving end of coming up against a lower league side and getting turned over and you know we've shown the players the clips from when uh, when Northampton beat Cardiff you know they beat them 3-0 they beat them convincingly in the, in the last round of the competition so we know this is going to be a tough game. We are not underestimating what to expect from Northampton. We know what it'll be. We know that the players are going to have to be ready. They're going to have to be prepared to roll the sleeves up and work hard. But let's be honest, that's not a real drag, is it, for any footballer to have to do that? And just finally, a couple more weeks now with the new lads. How have they all gelled with everybody else? Yeah, really good. Yeah, they're all settling in well. We've got... Um, We've brought some real good experienced heads into the group and I think they're, they're not only showing the level of the quality that they've got, they're also a good influence as well. They're talking and they're helping the young players. Um, you know, People like Tyreek, who I thought had an outstanding first championship game at the weekend, he will benefit from having the likes of Chris Brunt in, in midfield there, Alfie Mawson behind him, Chris Martin in front, um, as well as... Andy Vyman, Pato, Naki Wells, Fam. These are experienced players who we're hoping that they'll all gel together because, as I said earlier, we are going to need a squad this season. The games are going to come thick and fast and I'd be very surprised if there's anybody plays all 46 league games and however many cup games we have. We are going to need everybody to play the part and hopefully come the end of the season it'll lead to something that we can all smile about. Come on. Lovely.